This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. So here we are coming at you from the Spokane Conservation District. This is Rocks to Roots from the backyard of the Back 40. My name is Dwayne Spronick, and I'm here, as always, with our wonderful hostess, Hillary Sepulveda. Hillary, how are you doing? Ooh, you said my name perfectly. The last name. <laughs> I can't even pronounce it that well. That well. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> now, I'm not going to have to keep pronouncing it too much longer, am I? <laughs> no, you won't. I will be a Gonzalez next year. <laughs> Shout out to the, the big man, Tony, doing it right. Popping the question. <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh my gosh, he's going to love that. Thanks, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got a great episode today. We are sitting down with Kyle Merritt with uh, the city of Spokane, and we are talking about the Spokane Skate Program. So Kyle, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into working with the city of Spokane? Uh, Yeah, so uh, a little about myself. Um, Grew up in Spokane Valley, uh, UHI grad, Uh, then went on to uh, Spokane Community College, uh, water Resources Program, Natural Resources Program, and Eastern Washington University. Uh, and then uh, went on to do uh, to move away from Spokane for about 10 years, working for the Forest Service, uh, doing forest fires for them. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, and uh, moved back to Spokane uh, and did a lot of different odd jobs, trying to refine myself in, uh, in town, and um, eventually end up moving into uh, getting a job at the Streets Department for the city. And uh, kind of realized that laying asphalt wasn't quite my gig, so uh, <laughs> I transferred over to the, the water department and did uh, some labor, uh, you know, water main repairs and uh, irrigation, things like that for the water department. And uh, luckily enough for me, the uh, water efficiency specialist job came open and uh, the Spokanescape job and uh, applied for that and did it uh, for two years in a temporary position and just last month became uh, officially permanent in the position. Oh, well, awesome. congratulations. Yeah, yeah, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, this su- subject suggestion actually came from one of our listeners. So shout out to Katie Ramos of Spokane. Thanks, she Katie. wanted to know all about the Spokane Skate Program. So let's kind of dive into it. Tell us about the program. Oh, uh, yeah. So for the, the Spokane Skate Program, uh, to qualify, you have to be a City of Spokane Water customer. And the way that that works is uh, a project has to be 300 square feet at a minimum to qualify, which would be 30 by 10 feet roughly. Uh, So that would get you uh, 50 cents per square foot on your bill as a credit on your water bill. And uh, to get that, uh, you have to put, you have to have existing lawn that you would remove and replace that with 50% of that lawn area has to be drought tolerant plants. Okay, so replacing grass, turf, with drought tolerant plants. Yep. So I know we're going to get into kind of what more of those plant specifics are and things like that. Um, but so when was this program started? I'm kind of curious about how it all came about. Right. Uh, the, the city was, uh, was realizing that they had a bit of a problem with 
water needs growing by about 80% in the heat of the summer for outdoor watering. Mm-hmm. And so it was a public works and water, depart- water department driven uh, program that uh, started in 2018. Okay. And I'd have to give a lot of credit to uh, Hillary Nickerson, yeah. that is kind of the brains behind the project, along with Kristen Zimmer. Awesome. Okay. So I have to kind of ask the obvious question. Maybe it's not that obvious, though. <laughs> is, um, why save water? <laughs> well, we want to definitely save water as the region grows. It's going to put more of an impact on our aquifer. Okay. Uh, which also puts an impact on our river mm-hmm. and for river flows during the the heat of the summer when the most demand is on our water system is also when the river needs that water the most. So if we can really find a way to reduce our water use in the summer and get some more of those flows in the river to keep it cooler for the aquatic organisms and the fish that rely on it, mm-hmm. uh, that would be a, a huge plus. A lot of our, a lot of our uh, listeners and people live here in Spokane kind of go back to their parents and their grandparents always having lush green lawns and they feel like they have to keep up with that in order to be successful. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like one of those things where you're uh, competing with the Joneses, you know, you want to mm-hmm. you want to have a nice yard and uh, be a responsible homeowner and not have the neighbors thinking that your place is, uh, you know, the bad example on the neighborhood. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a cultural shift we need to change. And just because you don't have a green lawn doesn't mean you can't have a nice landscape. Right. If we can have that nice landscape with uh, some nice bark mulch or different types of decorative rocks and some really cool pollinators that have different flowering times throughout the season, uh, you know, I've seen some super amazing projects out there that uh, are amazing pollinator gardens that are definitely not uh, green lawns. Mm-hmm. Right, good answer. <laughs> No, I totally agree with that. And I'm actually really excited to sit down with you, Kyle, because I've been begging my fiance to change the front of our landscape because we have kind of like this weird hill. And so to lawn mow it, you know, I'm always thinking he's going to lose a toe when he goes out there to like get on that hill and lawn mow. And so um, so you just have to be a city of Spokane resident and get a city of Spokane water bill, correct? Right, correct. Okay. Uh, and there are some rare cases of people that are county residents that receive city water. And those folks, if, if you receive a water bill from the city of Spokane, you can do the Spokanescape program. Okay. When I was going through your website for Spokanescapes, I noticed a little part that talked about visibility to qualify for the program. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, traditionally in the past with the program, we wanted to keep them in front yards to do mm. front yard projects so that it would kind of be uh, an advertising uh, scheme to let only the projects be in front yards so the neighbors would see it and it would catch on around neighborhoods, neighbor to neighbor, and it would expand that way, just sort of an advertising thing. Um, the program's ran its course now enough years that we're, we've moved on this year. Beginning this year, we'll allow backyard projects if you've zero-scaped or Spokane-scaped your front yard. Okay, so enough people did uh, jump in and start doing their yards enough to make the program build Awesome. Is there a number of uh, lawns or conversions that you can do per year? Or is it just anybody who qualifies gets it done? So the way the program is designed that you can receive a rebate for a Spokanescape project consecutive years in a row. So you do you can do up to a thousand square feet a year for a $500 credit on your bill. And that's the max. But if you want to do it in stages and really plan out your landscape and maximize your rebate, you can do it several years in a row to get the most out of that rebate. Okay, cool. 
Um, so let's kind of just talk about the steps of getting started with a Spokane skate program. So you, there's a property owner, they look at their lawn, they think they're a great candidate. What's the first step and kind of just lead us through the process? Yeah, of course. Uh, what I really encourage people to do is just go to spokanescape.org. It's a great resource. We have our guidebook on there. We have lots of tutorials, uh, a list of some of our rebates that we offer in addition to just the Spokanescape. Um, but go on to the spokanescape.org website, get familiar with uh, the rules and regulations of the, the program. Um, and then what you do is everybody needs to have a simple Spokanescape uh, landscape design and a drought tolerant plant list and two pictures of their lawn. Okay. And so you just go on there and you'll need your water account number and those items and you'll just upload them and it'll send me an email that you've signed up and you would leave uh, three spots for an inspection time for you. And then I just show up and look at somebody's project before they get started just to verify that they're eligible, give them some tips, some pointers, maybe how to save some money, uh, where to get some cheaper resources. Uh, and then they're good to go. They're in construction phase and they have two years to complete their project and then they just shoot me an email, and then I'll come check it out when they're all finished up and uh, remeasure their square footage and get them a credit on their bill for their project. Okay. Efficient. So let's talk about the design process, because <laughs> I don't credit myself in having a very green thumb, and I'm definitely not a very great yard designer. So is that um, something that you guys can help with, like linking up a property owner with a designer, or is it all just kind of like throw you into the pool come up with something and then we'll modify it for you. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we really try to accommodate people that are want to do a DIY job themselves because mm -hmm. we know landscaping professionals can be expensive. Mm -hmm. So we want to accommodate people that want to take on a project themselves and do the best they can and use their creative instincts to do that. But we also have uh, what are called Spokanescape certified contractors, which are contractors that are familiar with the program that will come out and do the job for you. Okay. Uh, we have lots of great designers that are on our website and on the back of our guidebook. And so you can go through, uh, you know, different designers to help you design it. You can have contractors that'll do different stages of it for you. Uh, so there's lots of different options and we're really flexible with the, the priorities of how things need to be done. Okay. And so if we were to go ahead and wanted to use one of the designers aligned with the Spokanescape program, is that an additional cost? Like that's on us to go ahead and hire yep. them? That's okay. on you. It's on you to, to go ahead and hire them. And a cool thing we're doing this year that we were just trying out is we made a partnership with uh, Josh Cleveland, the, mm -hmm. Spokane's, uh, the uh, Spokane Garden Coach. Oh yeah. Awesome. And in our guidebook, we have one example template in there, but he designed five different standing templates Oh. for landscape designs with the list of plants. And so you can, and he named them all after kind of like cool beer. Like it reminds me of like beer names in Spokane. You know, you have the Emerson, oh, you have yeah. the Manitou, you have, you know, and so you, you, he has like a, a pollinator garden, a shade garden, like a strip plan. And you can just say, oh, I want that one. Those are the plants I need. Put in the order and plant them by numbers where he put them. And it has certain cool patterns and everything like that. So that's one thing we're trying out this year, which hopefully just, like reduces the anxiety for people that think, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just pick a plan, take your saw out and put it in. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, and where, yeah. Say again, where do you find those templates at? Uh, so we have an example one that you'll see in the guidebook there. And then once you go to spokanescape.org, we have a full list of them on there. Gotcha. And these guidebooks, where would someone pick one up? Well, right now they are actually uh, in the printing process in the uh, at the printer in Spokane, but they should be out in about two weeks. And you can find them at a lot of your local nurseries, hardware stores, uh, neighborhood right. councils. 
So we try to distribute them out around town. If people want to shoot me an email, they can also send me an email and I'll send them one in the mail. And tell everybody your email while we're at it. <laughs> My email address is kjmerritt, that's M-E-R-R-I-T-T, at spokanecity.org. Okay, awesome. So what would you say are some of um, the biggest, not mistakes, but kind of things that you have pushback on when someone submits their design? Um, if there's anything like, uh, is it not enough plants in there? Or is it wrong type of, I don't know, species or mulch or? Yeah, you know, it doesn't normally seem that it's plants because we have a huge plant list in our guidebook and people okay. are really good about just picking them off of that. And so I usually don't have any problems with people picking, uh, say, non-drought tolerant plants. A lot of people want to know if they can keep existing plants. Mm. Like, they, you know, do I have to, like, totally moonscape my yard and start over? Yeah. And the answer is no. If you have existing plants that are drought tolerant, lilacs, you know, ponderosa pines, different, you know, native species, snowberry, nine bark, things like that, keep the plants that are established, that are drought tolerant, that are doing great, and just add on to it. Okay. Now, something I've seen around Spokane a lot is a bunch of arbovitas, having your nice privacy area, nine... Don't believe those are drought tolerant at all, and I believe they're just huge sucks for water. Uh, would they have to remove those, or would you just be able to be moved outside the zone? How would that work? Right. So um, that's true. Those arborvitae are a huge water suck, uh, mm -hmm. and so if somebody wanted to keep those, we would just say, "Well, just don't include that in your project area." Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And we would encourage them to maybe uh, look for a Wichita blue juniper instead, because a very similar plant but very low water requirements. I like that. So Wichita blue juniper yep. to replace Arbovita so yep. that you're saving water and you still have your privacy. That's right. Awesome. Hmm. So I kind of want to go back to my question of why save water and just kind of talk about some of the numbers surrounding mm -hmm. Spokane County and our water use. So what is like the average water consumption per household in Spokane right now? Right. So um, I had some, ma some numbers to make sure that I had that right. So, <laughs> The winter monthly average is about 3,000 gallons per household oh, wow. per okay. month. Wow. And then in the summertime, that jumps up to 30,000 gallons per household Ooh. per month. And that's Ooh. pretty low uh, when you look at some of the numbers. That's kind of a low estimate. Okay. So we usually get three to four times of the water use in the peak demand of the summer, summer irrigation months. Wow. And, okay, so... To definitely jumps up in the summer months when people are um, doing their irrigation. Um, and about what percentage of that would you say is irrigation? Well, so about 85% of that water use is going on okay. people's lawns oh, wow. or okay. landscapes. So majority of that. Yep. Um, so what are some of the other sustainable practices that you encourage landowners um, to adopt on their property um, when it comes to being more water wise. Right. And so uh, to add on to a Spokanescape project, some, a lot of people think we'll I have to tear out my whole entire lawn, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's not necessarily the case. You know, a lot of people want a nice green spot for their dog or for their kids to play, play catch with the kids. With a Spokanescape project, you don't have to rip out everything. You can expand existing beds and make nice patterns with existing beds and just add on to them and get that square footage and then still leave nice green you know, existing shapes in your yard with lawn. So, you know, it's it's really just about reducing your irrigation footprint. Okay. That's awesome. So you are working with the homeowner to make sure the stuff is still up to their 
par of aesthetics. At the same time, it's still trying to help them reduce their water, their expenditure, and help replenish our aquifer. Exactly. And awesome. we also provide rebates for switching out existing irrigation heads. Some people will have the you know, spray heads that are really inefficient, that have small water droplets that blow away in the wind. Well, if we can change those over to rotary nozzles that are like MP rotators, they have thick drops mm-hmm. and they have a slower application rate. So they'll actually, more will go on the ground and more will absorb instead of being blown away or overwatered. Okay. So let's kind of talk about the irrigation process. And I like how you said you don't have to replace everything. And I thought I heard that you can do a drip irrigation system with existing sprinklers. Is that true? Yeah, so when people do a lawn conversion program, you need to think about where your existing irrigation zones are. That's which heads come on together. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to really do like, say, one and a half zones. You got to do one zone at a time because that way you can convert that zone together over to drip. Okay. So it just makes it easier to time all that, that one zone to operate together. And for the Spokanescape program, you can... If you have an existing irrigation system in lawn, it either has to be capped, converted to drip irrigation, or it can be hand-watered as well. That is acceptable. So, like, because I just know, we just put in sprinklers, (laughs) and I live up on the South Hill, and I know it takes a lot of energy to get that water up the hill as well. So instead of proposing to my fiance, hey, we got to rip out all these new sprinklers that we just got two years ago, instead we can actually go ahead and there is a way to just kind of convert those and use that. Yeah, so there's a cool thing you can do that if you have an existing sprinkler head that's a Mm pop-up, you see like little four-inch pop-ups, you can just take the guts out of it and you can put a screen in it with a pressure reducer and then a little cap on the top that you put your irrigation lines off of for drip. Okay, So you don't have to dig up your yard, you just (laughs) pop that head out and put something else in and say if you had six heads, you could convert three of them to drip and then just cap the other three and then your drip irrigation's ready to go. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yep, you got where I was going with that. <laughs> I love it. And so with that, uh, the city is also gives $100 to smart irrigation controllers that are Wi-Fi enabled. So, you know, the ones that connect to the, if it's oh. going to rain, they turn off. So if you buy one of those, they're like $120. Well, we'll give you 100 bucks for it. And that's credit on your bill. Okay. So those are awesome because you can just be out in your yard and have your phone, your smartphone out and be like, okay, turn on zone one. It turns on. You like work on a few things, turn off instead of like running downstairs, turning on, running <laughs> yeah. back upstairs. I've done that you too know. many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm not familiar with anything technological. I know. Leave me on the farm. I'm good. I'll take a book. <laughs> but um, for anybody who's looking into one of these uh, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi compatible controllers, is there a brand that you would trust and kind of recommend? Yeah, great question. Uh, the Orbit Beehive is a, is a really popular brand. You said Orbit Beehive? Orbit Beehive, Beehive yep. Awesome. Hmm. Yep, that's a really popular one. Uh, I think they're uh, four to six zones, and um, you just have to think about installing it in a place in your house that's going to get a good Wi-Fi signal. Okay. Yep. And your average half-acre lot uh, probably has no more than eight zones? Yeah, I would say roughly? that's about right. Yeah. Okay, so okay. that can pretty much take care of your whole yard, then yep. just that one... Orbit Beehive. That's correct. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm just curious too. So when you, these projects have been installed and they've everything's completed, do you really see a big reduction in the water usage from these property owners, homeowners? Th- that's a great question because it really depends on uh, the homeowner's desire to save water. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Because 
we get a lot of people or some people that will take their lawn out, put in a Spokanescape project and then run their timer the same way it was before. <laughs> like, well, that's totally defeating the purpose. Right. Right. And, and for me, I, me and my wife are just like super passionate about having like low impact on things. Right. So we tore out a huge majority of our lawn and I put in drip irrigation, Spokanescape uh, program style stuff and, and a lot of raised beds and we grow a ton of our own food. Mm, but awesome. our, our water use has gone down probably by 70%. Wow. From our previous home, the previous owners that lived there that had all the lawn that were just watering it to keep it green. So we provide ourselves a ton of food for the freezer that we still have from last year, and we really reduced our water use. Very now, cool. does Spokanescapes, do they get into the raised bed part? Yep, we allow raised beds. Uh, you know, we're kind of under the attitude that uh, anything is going to be uh, more water efficient than a lawn. And do y'all help uh, source the materials for the raised bed? Is that part of the conversion or is that all on the homeowner? It's all on the homeowner. Okay. Yep. I, I love to be available to answer any questions or lead people in the right direction if they need, uh, you know, direction on where they can get supplies and things like that. Nice. A one-stop shop all, huh? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> so what are, I kind of want to get a little plant geeky here and drop some names on some of these drought tolerant plant species. So what are kind of like your top favorites when it comes to mm. the designs and making plans? What are like your top, you're like, Ooh, include that. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I try not to influence when it comes to homeowners doing their projects. Uh-huh. I really want to let them have the creative ability to like do the plant research and decide what style they like. Uh, you know, you always see your, your typical, like, tons of people do lavender and all that because they're easy. They'll grow anywhere. They provide tons of habitat for pollinators. Uh-huh. Uh, myself, you know, I have more of a, a natural resources background, and so I love native plants. Mm-hmm. Native plants provide everything that local pollinators need and have for millennia, and same with, you know, wildlife, birds nesting in plants, and they provide the habitat for you know, butterflies and things like that. Well, you bring a plant in from Asia or South America, it's not going to, you know, it may look pretty and it may be amazing when it pollinates, but it's not going to have the habitat that local bees are going to need. It's going to be like, what is this? This is a foreign object. It's not what yeah. I'm designed to pollinate, right? You guys aren't just popping cactuses all over. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, there are some really cool, like, standard plants that people use, but uh, I always try to push people in the in the the native plant mm-hmm. native plant realm makes yep. sense yep. Heck yeah and i'm assuming that encouraging well as many native plants but are there any nurseries or any specific um like plant shops around spokane that you guys work closely with yeah we you know I, we really try to support small businesses love it and that's why we didn't want to be involved you know we, we as a city we can't be involved in like doing people's labor for them right mm-hmm. but this has also been a really good program for encouraging small businesses. And you see, uh, to throw out a few names, uh, Diane Jules, or <laughs> Diane Stutzman from Desert Jewels Nursery on Upriver Drive. Uh, oh, okay. She's a retired yeah. Forest Service botanist, and she just knows everything about local native plants. And she has a small nursery, uh, propagates things herself, and sells them out of her home. Oh, that's good. And wow. she is amazing, super knowledgeable, does design too, very involved in the community. Um, there's like Blue Moon Nursery down at Vinegar Flats. They're awesome. And you also have uh, bigger nurseries uh, like Plants of the Wild out of Tico that will drop ship plants up to Blue Moon. And so that's a great resource. And in this year alone, I think I've seen four or five different companies pop up that are very Spokanescape centered and that are getting a lot of business from the program. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. And Hillary, isn't there something coming up next week, I think? 
And it, it's some event and it has native plants and other plants going on. Oh, are you talking about the SCDU tree sale? That's yeah, it that's is, it. That's right. <laughs> I love how you just slyly <laughs> dropped that in there. I was sitting here like, what is there? <laughs> yes, uh, the annual tree sale here at the Spokane Conservation District is coming up on April 8th and 9th. And we are hosting a surplus sale. And there will be thousands of surplus inventory there. Um, pretty much everything that we offered in our brochure this year will be available. So make sure you come and check it out. It is going to be happening Friday, April 8th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Saturday, April 9th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Thanks for the drop, Dwayne. (laughs) Show up and get some native plants. Yes, come and grab your native plants. Yes. Um, And with that, I just had a question, and it just slipped my mind. Um, Oh, okay. So, Kyle, what would your advice be if somebody has a lawn that they think is would be perfect for a Spokane Scape project, but they have a large tree on? and around the area as well, because we don't want to completely take away all that water and, uh, you know, uh, take away that nice big tree, right? So right. what are some of your, what's your advice for that? Well, uh, you know, we certainly want to discourage people from removing trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the urban canopy is very important for a, a lot of different reasons. Right. Um, so we also really caution people if they're going to be running any equipment, say sod cutters mm-hmm. or rototillers, around anything under the canopy of a tree or a neighbor's tree that may be close to your fence line because that can really damage the root systems and potentially kill the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, we, we we really want those the native trees or any trees in people's yards just to, to stay there and incorporate them in part of their project mm-hmm. and to think about, uh, you know, where that tree's shade is going to be when you're planting your plants. Uh, you know, uh-huh. maybe track the sun to figure out where the shade is going to be, you may have to plant a lot more shade tolerant plants than the pollinators you'd hoped for if you have a really shady yard. So that's that's something to think about. Uh, you may be planting more hostas and ferns than uh, <laughs> than, than your Ooh, pollinators. There are so many different varieties of hostas. <laughs> there I are. Think that is the perfect shade plant. As long as you don't have deer around, that is. But yeah, I love those too. Um. I just keep talking. I just so every time I look at you, I forget. I got, I got a um, couple of questions that they always like. A lot of our customers up at the farm always ask me, so I'm, I'm gonna kind of come at you rapid fire here. Uh, three that I can think of right off the top of my head. So, one is when you're watering your yard and using overhead water, isn't the water draining back down into the aquifer, or is it not? Isn't it? I would say that it probably is, but it's going to take a really long time for it to get back to the aquifer. You know, uh, most of our water from the aquifer is coming out of a lot of the lakes in northern Idaho, and that's what feeds the aquifer. Okay. Uh, and as, as it travels through the, the cobble of the, the Rathburn Prairie Aquifer, I don't think that much of it is probably going to go back from people's sprinkler systems and refill the aquifer. Gotcha. Okay. That's just one of the misconceptions <laughs> that has been brought up, so... We'll yeah. Um, yep. I'm sure it gets there over a long time, but that's not uh, the source of the water for the aquifer. Mm. And the next one, which uh, no one likes to talk about this one, but uh, everybody always asks about chlorine and fluoride in Spokane water. Oh, you did go there. Oh. I did go there. <laughs> We're going there. So, do we have it? And <laughs> is it? Do we have it? I guess is the one question I'll ask. Uh, right now, the city of Spokane does not have uh, fluoride added to its water system. Uh, it's under a feasibility study right now, and 
they're kind of waiting for that to, to come out and see what the final decision is. And I believe it's going to go to a public vote. Awesome. So if people keep up with uh, what's happening in the public forum, then they'll be able to weigh in on there and everything should be good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, you know, and, and a lot of people have opinions about uh, about fluoride in our, in our uh, water and adding it. Um, one thing that I would add is that the city uses a l- water for a lot of different things. But if you put fluoride in the water, a very small percentage is actually going to make it into people's mouths. Mm. So you're going to be putting a lot. All that fluoride is going to be going on people's gardens, flushing down toilets, maybe used for irrigating, uh, you know, raised beds, gardens, all that type of stuff. Gotcha. And then the last thing, as my rapid fire round here goes, so a lot of people like to put AstroTurf instead of xeroscaping or waterwising their yards. Is there a negative or positive to that? Uh, you know, the, the only positive I can really think of of putting AstroTurf down is that you're removing your lawn and putting something in that's going to use less water. Uh, but as far as the Spokanescape program goes, uh, we do not support putting in fake turf. Uh, in the long run, it really just goes into the uh, waste stream. You're providing zero wildlife habitat. And, you know, we're not in that dire straits as, say, like Las Vegas or anything like that, that I think that that's really somewhere that we need to go just yet. I'd really love to see people put in something that provides habitat for for local birds and bees. Heck Mm -hmm. yeah, and creates that rhizosphere and everything. Yep. I like that. Nice. Love for the pollinators. Heck yeah. Um, So there is... Um, an important factor when thinking about watering your lawn and determining what type of soil you have. And I was going through your website, which you guys have fantastic resources on the website. I encourage all of our listeners to go and check out the website. Um, but talk to us about the soil testing in the jar. (laughs) I, I love this trick. I just learned about it. And so I want you to tell our listeners about it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can send off soil in your yard to like the, uh, the county extension and the master gardeners uh, or mm-hmm. WSU extension, and they will test your soil for you. But a super simple way is to take your like normal Mason jar, take a, a scoop of soil and put it in your Mason jar and fill it, you know, three quarters of the way, almost to the top with water, shake it up, set it on your kitchen counter and let it settle. And it will settle out and show you your soil horizons. And it'll give you a pretty good idea in those layers of what type of soil you have. And what types of soil do you require more water or are there? Or how well, do they differentiate? I would say it's more based on how fast the water flows through your soil. Okay. So if you have a really sandy soil, the water is going to go through there really quick and be less available to the plant roots, right? And so everybody wants that, that perfect mix of your, uh, your sand and your clay, which is the loam, right? So if you have that mm-hmm. nice loamy organic soil, the water is just going to flow through there at just the right speed for the most benefit to that plant's roots. Okay. So that jar method, when it separates, does that tell you your sand, silts, and clays? Correct. Okay. And then can you make a percentage judgment based on the thickness of the bands? Exactly. Awesome. Okay. And is there a, you were looking into Hillary, is there a uh, piece of paper or something you can, or look it up online somehow to figure out instructions or what kind of the band would represent? That's a good question. I I do not know the answer to that. I'm sure that there's a website that would tell you what the perfect ratio is as far as inches go on that. Gotcha. And then maybe what additives you need to add per square foot to try to amend that soil. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay, so I want to get this straight because I'm really going to have to sell this to my fiancé when I get home. (laughs) So check out Spokanescape website. 
and go ahead on there and start the conversation with you as far as interest in your yard. Send in two colored pictures of my yard um, with the dimensions of what we're looking at. Are there any projects that are too small that you have to turn down? Anything under 300 square feet. 300 square feet. Okay, so that's the baseline of where you start. And then um, if the space and the yard qualifies, how do you guys determine that? Like, is it just kind of based on curb appeal or does that play into it at all? No, so people turn in two pictures, their plan and their plant list. And then I go to give, give a pre-inspection and say, yep, you're good to go. Looks okay. like a good spot. Uh, and then when they're finished up, I just go take a look at it again. And, you know, pretty much everybody gets a uh, participation trophy. You know, nobody's okay. like, oh, you didn't, it doesn't look very good. Nice try, <laughs> you know. So, no, if everybody puts in the hard work, you know, if, for the most part, everybody gets a credit on their bill. It's all about just doing the best you can and, and trying to, you know, do what's right for the environment and save some water. Mm-hmm. And if you're creative, you can come up with your own design. If for those of us that may not have the creative brain to, you know, map everything out, you do have the designers available to help out with coming up and creating a landscape. Um, and then get to work, start ripping up your grass. Do you have any recommendations for the best way to go about that? Uh, you know, I, Really discourage people from using a rototiller because if you mm-hmm. rototill, you just till all those dormant seeds on the surface back underneath in your soil, and then you might have a heck of a weed problem on your hands. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage people to um, use a sod cutter and go down inch and a half, two inches, and you can just take off that top two inches of soil and get rid of it. Okay. Uh, you can turn it upside down in your landscape, put green side down, and let that just turn into an organic layer. You can make some cool mounds in your yard. You can fill the inside oh, of a raised nice. bed if you don't want to haul all that away. So you can put it curbside and put an ad out and people will come get it if it's some good quality sod. Okay. So there's different methods, um, but I think really paying attention to go around the edges of your project with a sod cutter and then flipping that upside down. And a lot of people do what's called sheet mulching, which is the cardboard with mulch on top of it. And that just kind of blocks out the sun for your grass. Okay. Right. So you're just like smothering it from the, uh, the process. And then you can cut holes in that cardboard with the mulch on top and plant right through it. Oh, nice. So let's talk about mulch for a little bit. Are there good kinds of mulch and bad kinds of mulch? (laughs) Um, like the ones I see in bags that look yeah. like fake mulch. Right. You is do. it fake mulch? <laughs> I would shy away from anything that has like any dyes in it. Okay, yeah. Especially like you know, the shredded tires. Mm. That would be a definite oh. no-go for <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, some, and they have like shredded tires that are like red and, you know, but, oh, um, wow. you know, I would shy away from that. I really think that the best option is just good old-fashioned arborist chips. Okay. Yep. Okay. And in town, you can go to getchipdrop.com and local arborists will bring those wood chips to your house and dump them in front of your yard and you can have those for free okay. with a small donation to the driver. Nice. So that is a very good way to have to reuse local products. Um, they are excellent for soil amendment that they will like break down and become part of the organic layer. They will block out weeds. They will hold moisture in your soil and they will... Um, also um, keep the soil from being compacted as they break down into it. And is there a depth that you require 
Yeah, we like to see at least three inches, if not more. If you do any less, the sun's still going to come back through and uh, will cause a lot more weeds to grow. So yeah, at least three inches of uh, an organic matter. Awesome. And when these arborists come and they drop the chips, they usually drop their full load there. Is there a rough estimate of how many yards they carry? Um, you know, I think you request how much you would like, and they might wait until they get a truckload that's appropriate for your delivery. Okay. And a lot of the arborists know that if they're dropping into the house, uh, they try to give you a what's appropriate for a landscaping project. Uh, I don't think that they're going to want to drop off a load of stumps. Okay. You know, or, or just like spruce needles or things like that. You know, I think they're pretty thoughtful about what people want. Good. That's awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, we're heading into <clears throat> springtime. We've had some beautiful weather in the Pacific Northwest lately. Um, so I know people are going to start getting out there and start looking at the yards, just like I am a little bit more. <laughs> um, is there a good time or a time that you recommend that people reach out about Spokanescaping? Um, like is now a good time or should it maybe have been a couple months ago <laughs> when do you start getting all these applications and yeah, right now, uh, early spring definitely gets busy. Uh, people get inspired to get out in the yard mm-hmm. and they want to get out there planting and they're thinking about what their yard needs, you know, what they want their yard to look like over the next few years. Um, right now is an awesome time to get started with, uh, your plan and your plant list. And the best time to plant is spring and fall people really it really slows down in the summer because people don't want to be out there trying to get plants started in the heat of the summer mm-hmm. um and especially working out there in the heat of the summer as well uh so yeah right right now is great and to think about your plan over the long term because when you put in a new spokanescape project you know they say the first year they sleep and the second year they creep and the third year they leap so it gives, takes a few years, but then after like second, third year, you're just like, boom, this is awesome. So the sooner you do it, the sooner you get to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Are there any projects that really stand out in your mind that were just super unique or came out beautiful or maybe there was, you know, a problem at first and then it got resolved? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, there's a, I won't mention any names. There's a particular landscaper in town, though, that does a really good job and he just does full yard tear outs and then replants the whole thing and you know like this cottage style and he does a really amazing job and some of the jobs that have been planted a few years ago are just full-on filled in in front of homes and it just changes like the curb appeal so much and it's Mm -hmm. it's just it's amazing yeah so um actually the one on the the cover of our uh guidebook right there is one of his jobs and The homeowner just came out on the front porch when I was there one day taking pictures, and she's like, I feel like I walk out into, like, a mountain meadow every morning. Oh, I love it. You know, it's just so cool. So, yeah, there's there's some out there that just are just full transformations that are so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you can definitely tell when you drive by one. I feel like um, I felt like I drove by one today. It was uh, kind of on the South Hill coming down Frey a little bit, but it was just beautiful. And um, you could tell that it's probably in that early phase and maybe this is maybe the second year, right. but they're starting to, those plants are coming out and it's really cool landscape. Yeah. And, you know, we touched on it earlier, but I also wanted to mention again is that with water use for drought tolerant plants, when people plant, you have to get plants established, right? Say like drought, even drought tolerance the first, second year. But by the third year, your water use should really just be tapering off. Okay. And then maybe third, by the fourth, fifth year, that should be like, you've probably done watering except for in the heat of the summer when they really need it just to kind of get them through. But, you know, the ideal thing is to like, to get them established and then let them be because, you know, they're, they're designed for this environment and the ecosystem they don't need much rain or much water. Mm-hmm. Now, I felt like that's something really important that you just stated there. Um, 
come across a lot of folks, including myself when I first got in, that you read drought tolerant, you throw it in the ground, and you just don't water it because it's drought tolerant. Mm. But So that's not true. The first two years, it needs to get established. So you do need to water it pretty good. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. They're still trying to, to get their roots in the ground. And so, yeah, they're going to need that, uh, you know, occasional deep watering to drive those roots down and get them established. Mm. Awesome. Good to know. Yeah. You also bring up a great point for anybody who's maybe looking at, you know, this could be a great thing to help sell your house, <laughs> you know, or if you're looking for a new house, I'm going to start looking for drought tolerant landscapes because I know my water bill won't be that high. <laughs> right. Well, and it, and it brings to mind, there was a house over in the Audubon area that they bought the house and it didn't have a very nice looking yard, you know, it was just kind of a scabby looking grass and they did a full Spokanescape project and we had the before afters and the before was just like, you know, normal house with like a so-so looking yard. And then they totally remodeled the, the whole landscape and it's just color everywhere. And it just, just exploded the view of the house. Like, whoa, what a difference. They didn't change the house. They just changed the landscape. And like, yeah. holy smokes, how cool is that? Yeah. So it can even, it's, it can be a cheap way just to like totally change the, like the curb appeal for your house, even if you're going to sell, you know, Uh huh. which Definitely. reminds me though, with the Spokanescape project, we like to see people maintain it for three years Okay. before they, cause we don't, we don't want somebody to sell the house and then have somebody else move in and like, Oh, I want a lawn. Yeah. Right. And then, <laughs> and then they do and the then, and we, gave, and we gave them the money to, to do the project. Or to, so to, speaking on that, is there a contract that has to be signed? Uh, yeah, kind of so there's just the, the, the terms and conditions that we read through and ask people to abide by the terms and conditions for that. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, this is awesome. I mean, we here at the Conservation District, we always get asked about the Spokane Skate Program, but it is a City of Spokane program. Yep. And so I also just want to give you the opportunity because I know that you guys, um, the City of Spokane has the WaterWise program. Are, are there any other programs um, that you guys offer in terms of being more water wise that people should check out? Yes, we have several different programs. Um, We hired a new contract employee this year, uh, Will, and he will do in-home consultations for checking out people's inside water use, Uh, you know, leaky toilets, shower heads, uh, you know, just overall inside water use to help people be more efficient. And that's a free uh, consultation. We'll come into your home and and do a report on it. Oh, awesome. so Will does that, and then uh, we'll also do uh, industrial uh, and for business to help them try to conserve water. Uh, Spokanescape also does commercial programs. So if you have a business and you have a, like a lot of big grassy swales at your business you want to get rid of mm-hmm. and replace with drought-tolerant plants, uh, we offer more money for that, up to $5,000. Oh, wow. So uh, Rockwood Retirement Community has been on board just doing tons of stuff. So nice. they've been awesome. Um, and we also do... Uh, We've been doing toilet rebates this year. We're doing 0.80 gallon per flush toilets. You can get $100 on those. Uh, irrigation controllers will give people $200 to switch over to drip irrigation from their in-ground system just to kind of encourage that to, like, get rid of the spray heads in your, in your uh, bushes and trip, mm-hmm. switch that over to drip. So $200 for that. Um, so, yeah, those are just some of the programs we offer that are, you know, little extra carrots, you know, to try to get people to switch over to more efficient methods. Cool. Yeah. Anything on the horizon for City of Spokane? Any new things coming up or new programs you guys are going to be adopting? You know, we're, we're hiring. Uh, so anybody out there that's got some irrigation experience, we're hiring a seasonal employee this year. Okay. So if anybody out there is uh, interested in working for the city this year, uh, probably be uh, taking applications in the next month or so. 
we need we need some uh, help doing that. We do lots of cool stuff for the uh, the wa- the fire departments. Have irrigation systems that we're trying to improve, uh, and just uh, get get them doing a little bit more efficient irrigation. Uh, the The conservation program is always growing, you know, a little bit at a time. You mm-hmm. know, so that's that's cool to see. So uh, a lot more interest in town, and with people moving in from out of town, we get a lot of people that you know from the Southwest that move in and they buy a new house and they're like, Oh, this lawn has got to go. I'm not used to having a big green lawn, you know, it's got to go away. So, so that, that's a good influence in the community to have people from outside that, that want to make positive changes in that way. So nope, the program's always growing and uh, it's been, it's been a really fun job. I I love doing what I do. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and talk to us about the Spokanescape program. Uh, go ahead and tell all of our listeners again where they can find all this wonderful information and uh, contact you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can go to spokanescape.org, and my contact is kjmerritt at spokanecity.org. Awesome. And also the WaterWise program. Nice. Great. Well, and we can't let you go without doing our Spitfire round and letting our <laughs> listeners learn a little bit more about you. So are you down? Of course. <laughs> All right. Dwayne, you want to kick us off? You know what? I'm going I'm to ask you this one thing. How do you get your energy? Coffee or tea? <laughs> oh, coffee, definitely. Coffee, definitely. Right. And what's the, co- what's the coffee order? Black. Anybody who wants extra brownie points on there? <laughs> Straight <laughs> up black. black. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe whiskey if I'm camping. Ooh, there we go. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Irish style. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of whiskey? <laughs> Ooh, you know, I'm a good old uh, R&R fan. You know, it's ran in the family. <laughs> okay. You know, cheap R&R whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Kyle, what's your favorite emoji? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm an older guy. I'm not really into emojis. <laughs> Probably just the smiley face, you know? Just a smiley face. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> What's your favorite movie, and do you have a line from it? <laughs> I was going to say the last movie I watched was Yogi Bear with my son the other night. Oh. But um, I don't know. You know, I had shoulder surgery like a year and a half ago, and that was the last time I watched a movie. I don't watch oh, wow. TV, like, rarely. Huh. Yeah, if nice. I never sit down. I'm, like, outside working on something, you know, like. So, wait, hold on, hold on. You had <laughs> surgery, so you stopped watching stuff to go outside and work more. <laughs> No, the last, I, I had shoulder surgery and I was like, okay, I guess I'll sit here and watch movies. And that okay. really got my fix for like a year or two. So, gotcha. yeah. So to stop you, you have to literally injure you. To That's get right. You from yeah, that's okay. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a good, good attitude. So with that, what are some of your favorite hobbies in the summertime? Uh, you know, uh, me and my wife and we have a six-year-old son. Uh, my wife is just awesome at booking our weekends, like back to back to back all summer long. And oh, yeah. We're always gone somewhere, you know, we're, we're canoeing, kayaking, backpacking, rafting, mountain biking, whatever, whatever gets me outside and, and keep moving, getting some exercise. Like Thank that's you. what we're all about. And we just plan our lives around it. And so what's your it. favorite spot around here in Spokane? <clears throat> well, uh, you know, me and my buddy Jewel have been mountain biking beacon every Wednesday night in the dark for like the last two years. In the dark? Yeah. Ooh. Cause that's the only time we can get away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Hope you have headlamps and everything. Oh yeah, okay, no, good. we got good. all the okay, I was yeah. like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Are you a dogs or a cats kind of kind of guy? <laughs> Definitely dogs. Dogs? Do you yeah. have any? We have one dog, fourteen-year-old dog Eddie. Oh. Yeah. What he's, breed? Uh, he's uh like a golden retriever Malamute mix. Oh, nice. But he's getting he's getting up there in years. You know, he's just kind of wanders down the alley and takes himself on walks because <laughs> you yell at him, he can't hear anything. So, yeah, sad to see the pup get old, but, yeah, definitely a dog person. Oh, okay. love it. Yeah. 
Um, do you have a favorite local restaurant? Hmm. You know, we don't get out a whole lot. We go to Rude occasionally because it's oh, close to our house. We, yes, we like Rude. I love Rude. Definitely, that's one of our favorites. Yeah. Now, Rude is vegan or? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, vegan. Vegan, vegan be- yeah. yeah. They have things on their menu, vegan and vegetarian. Stopped by there one time, and um, I that's where I had my love for mushrooms. Yeah. Every way they made them was fantastic. Yeah, they're yeah. great. Yeah, we also get out. You know, the elk is kind of a go-to occasionally, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we love that place. Love the elk. Yeah. Favorite cut of meat. When it comes to steaks, mm. Mm. say anything venison. Okay, I'm a deer hunter, so you know I love anything venison is, is the way to go. So for venison me. eggs in the morning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Heck some yeah. venison backstrap and eggs. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. a good way to start your day. <laughs> if you can't tell, lunch is coming up right now. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> all right, and then the final question we have for you that we ask all of our guests. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Oh, Stones for sure. Stones. All right. <laughs> all right. Stones? Oh, man. Beast of Burden. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's a new answer. I like that. Yeah, I like that one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here, Kyle. Make sure, listeners, you go and check out the Spokane Skate Program. Um, let's rethink our lawns. Let's save water. Rethink the lawns. Don't think about keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> Get a little creative. And help those pollinators every which way you can. That's yes, right. absolutely. That. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.